0: The history of the world has been the history of waiting for God to move. And while we got a sneak preview of the coming, in the coming of Jesus, we're still waiting. Groaning is how the Apostle Paul puts it for the second or final coming of Christ when the world and all who are in it are put right again. And so we, what we are waiting for, what we are waiting for is an open door. We're waiting for what John saw when he reported his glorious, that sense around vision of of the unhindered kingdom of God in the book of Revelation. He saw it. I want you to listen to this from Revelation chapter 4. You can find it in your Bible, or you can just close your eyes and let this vision kind of wash over you. John writes, Revelation chapter 4, After this I looked, and there before me was a door standing open in heaven. An open door. (laughs) And the voice I had first heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, come up here and I'll show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the spirit and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. And the one who sat there had the appearance of Jasper and Ruby, a rainbow that shone like an emerald and circled the throne, surrounded Uh, Surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones and seated on them were 24 elders. They were dressed in white and they had crowns of gold on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning, rumblings and peals of thunder. In front of the throne, seven lamps were blazing. These are the seven spirits of God or the sevenfold spirit of God. All the great character of God. Also, in front of the throne, there was what looked like sea, a sea of glass, clear as crystal. In the center... "...around the throne were four living creatures, and they they were covered with eyes in front and in back. The first living creature was like a lion, the second was like an ox, the third had the face like a man, the fourth was like a flying eagle, and each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under its wings, and day and night... We just sang it day and night, night and day. They never stopped saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God almighty who was and is and is to come. Whenever the living creatures gave glory, honor, and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and they worship him who lives forever and ever and they lay their crowns before the throne and say, you are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they were created and have their being that is a vision of the coming kingdom and it's the word of God for the people of God come on y'all thanks be to God it's so beautiful it's the vision we're waiting for we're waiting for glory we're waiting for the answer to Jesus own prayer father your kingdom come your will be done on earth just like it is in heaven I believe that prayer is what creates the restlessness that all of us feel. That restlessness for more. So so we, we won't settle for less than the kingdom. Mark Buchanan says, we are born with two impulses. One impulse is to go beyond. It's that little voice that looks at life and says, is this all there is? That, that that longing voice makes us restless for something more, something bigger or beyond. And then and and so that longing we feel, that that longing that we tend to over-medicate with substances or buying things we can't afford. That that longing that we think will be satisfied by some person who can become our soulmate, or or that longing that that says if you would just do it this way, if we could just get it right, if we could just do this, everything would be perfect. Guess what? It will never. Never be perfect. I want you to turn to someone and say, it will never be perfect. Go ahead. Not in this life. It will never be perfect. Not in this life. Is that, a, is that, is that a frustration for you or is that a freedom? Yeah. It's pretty, yeah, <laughs> pretty quiet here. But yes, it is both frustration and freedom. But that longing is built into us, listen to me, by the will of God and the prayer of Jesus. Jesus doesn't want you to be satisfied for anything less than the kingdom of God. The other impulse, Buchanan says, is the impulse to go home. It's that craving for what is comfortable, for what we know. We all long for a place that feels like home. And I, I suspect that it's, it, it, that explains the exploding housing market in the last couple of years, <laughs> I think that that um, that we've been, that's been our feeble attempt to find home in a world that has felt so foreign to us recently. So, those two impulses or longings to go beyond or to go home. We will, we will flail around looking for some way to satisfy those longings. And we will always be frustrated in that search. Because those two impulses can only be satisfied in the answer, the final answer to Jesus' prayer. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in Heaven. Heaven. Or the unhindered kingdom of God. Is the one place where both of those cravings are answered. It's the glory of a whole new world to explore. But also the assurance of home. The new heaven and the new earth. That'll be home for us. A place where we can feel completely safe. John tells us at the end of his vision. That God's dwelling place is now among the people. And he will live among them. Home. And they will be his people. And God himself will will be with us and wipe away every tear. And and he he will be our God. So heaven will be both the answer to our restless uh, longing to go beyond. And also the cure for our craving to go home. It's the one place where both impulses to go beyond and go home are totally satisfied. It's the one place where that where we're constantly discovering and yet we're fully at home. So that yearning to go beyond or to go home. That's the yearning that the season of advent, the this this time leading up to Christmas is meant to stir up. So 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 we invent things like a guy in a red suit who brings you presents and and when we when we wrap gifts and 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 um, and make our our when we when we wrap gifts and then make our loved ones wait to open them <laughs> that's our frail humanity inventing a waiting game That is such a poor substitute for the deep longing we are invited into. The groaning, Paul tells us, all of creation voices as it strains toward what's beyond us and what we're created for. That's what the season of Christmas ought to emphasize. It's meant to stoke our hunger for something more. It's meant to train our spiritual eyes to go looking for signs of the inbreaking kingdom. And, and so almost, almost like a postscript tagged on to the Christmas story in the book of Luke, we, we, we begin to feel that longing, that yearning for something that's to come. So I want you to, if you got your Bible, turn with me to Luke chapter 2. We're going to be in verse 22. We're going to be talking about the story of Simeon and Anna. And as always, the best way to engage the word is to get your Bible in front of you. Get get out something to write write with so you can make some notes. If you have your Bible, then turn to Luke chapter 2, verse 22. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it's written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord. And offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord a pair of doves or two young pigeons. So there they are, Mary, Joseph, and Jesus, waiting for the blessing of Simeon, who was on duty that day. He's a priest, but also a prophet, knowing already theirs is a special child, but not yet fully aware of just how special a child he was or what it, what it meant, even what they had been told. I remember this is when Claire Marie was a little baby. She was five months old. And it was just about this time of year. I was walking her through the Augusta Mall. And I walked into the Limited. She was in the stroller. And I walked into the Limited. And the salesperson who um, walked up to us, she looked down at that little baby. And she, she kind of gasped. And she said, I think that's the most beautiful baby I've ever seen. And not out loud so anybody could hear me. But inside, I said, I know. Because everybody thinks their baby is the most beautiful baby that anybody's ever seen. But it's one thing to have somebody tell you your baby is beautiful. It's another thing entirely and much more uncomfortable to have someone tell you your baby is the Messiah. Can you even imagine the weight of that? And listen, Simeon's words, Simeon was a prophet in the temple that day. His words are not just for Mary and Joseph. They were a prophetic word for all of us. And they're not particularly comfortable words. They tell us who Jesus will be for us and for the world. And they challenge us to believe in him, not just casually, but deeply. Look at verse 25. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die. He would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. I have to tell you this: this just this past week, I was talking to my neighbor, my, I have a great this neighbor, a friend of mine. He's 79 years old, and he told me that the Lord told him that he would not die before um, Flowing Wells Road construction was complete. <laughs> And so he said to me, so I've got time. (laughs) So um, he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. A lot of people in the story of Jesus' birth are filled with and guided by the Holy Spirit. God is not stingy with his Spirit. God is not stingy. You should write that down. God is not stingy with his spirit. If you don't feel it, it may be that you're just not in a position to receive it. God is not stingy with his spirit. And in Simeon's day, they didn't know how to ask for the spirits. We do. We live on this side of Pentecost. So if you're longing for more, ask, beg. If you're hungry, ask the Lord to fill you with His Holy Spirit, give you a heart for, for worship, and to give you a, a hunger for, to see the inbreaking breaking kingdom. You need to keep asking, like we said last week. Ask Him. Ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you in your dreams. Ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you during the day. God is not stingy with His Spirit. Look at verse 27 again. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. And when the parents brought in the child, Jesus, to do for him just what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you prepared in the sight of all nations. A light, underline all of verse 32, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, that's you, and the glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was being said about him. And then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel. And to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul, too. Simeon and Anna, who we're gonna meet in just a minute, are important to the story of Jesus for a lot of reasons. They were both prophets, New Testament prophets. John the Baptist is considered the last of the Old Testament prophets. Simeon and Anna are New Testament prophets. And Simeon draws a lot here on the prophet Isaiah. He tells us Jesus is our salvation. And Jesus has come not just for the Jewish people, but for Gentiles also. That was a big thing to hear. Jesus had come not just for the Jewish people, but for Gentiles also. His glory, he he, he is glory for Israel, but he is also a light for the rest of us. And I have to tell you, that would have been big news for Jewish people. But that was also a huge thing for a Jewish person to say. Because every faithful Jew in Jesus' day was longing for the Messiah. This would have been... A life-changing moment, a life-fulfilling moment for a prophet like Simeon. And Simeon prophesies to Mary that this Messiah will call, cause the falling and the rising of many in Israel, and he has. Israel has not recognized her Messiah. But listen, God keeps his promises. You should write that down. God keeps his promises. Can we say that out loud together? God keeps his promises. Say it again. God keeps his promises. Do you believe that? Do you believe it? God keeps his promises. God is not done with his people Israel. He may not be saving every, every Jew any more than he's saving every human. But he will save his people Israel. Jesus Christ is still the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through him. And somehow, in a way, I can't understand or explain. God is working that truth into his plan for Israel because God keeps his promises. Let me tell you why that's so important to you and me. Because everything we are and everything we believe hinges on that one fundamental truth that God keeps his word. God is, if God doesn't keep his promises to Israel, then how can I hope that God will keep his promises for me? This is what Abram learned when he said to God, I don't understand how you're going to make me a great nation if I don't have any children. Frankly, I don't see it. And God said, Abram, I am your shield and your very great reward. Even if it looks like impossible from your chair, you will have children. And Abram believed that and God didn't let him down. And that's huge for us. Maybe the most powerful promise of all is the promise of Romans 8. That nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's a huge promise. It's our assurance. Our promise that God has never given up on his people and he never will. Nothing in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God. Even when it doesn't feel like it. God will never give up on us. So does God give up on people who reject him? No. Does God, if, if your bank account is empty and your job is hanging by a thread, has God given up on you? No. If you are depressed and lonely, have you been separated somehow from God? No. No. If you're sick and tired of being sick and tired, if your children are running you in circles and every relationship you've got seems to be more complicated than it's worth, does that mean that God has somehow forgotten you? Left you for dead? You seem less convinced at this moment than you were in the beginning. (laughs) If your faith is weary and you have more questions than answers, is God done with you? Has he weighed you and found you wanting? Absolutely not. The best news of all is that the light shines in our darkness and the darkness will never extinguish it. Thanks be to God. During the Holocaust, someone sat in a cellar in Cologne, Germany, someone who was hiding from the Nazis. Nobody knows who it was or how long they were there or how much they cried out to God in those horrific days. But at some point, having waited and cried and searched and waited some more, that person found the answer to their longing. They came to a profound conclusion and they scratched these words on the wall of that cellar where they were hid. I believe the sun even when it's not shining. I believe in love even when I do not feel it. I believe in God even when He is silent. That is the one thing that must be true before anything else about God can be true. God keeps his word. And if God keeps his word, then there's no place you and I can go that is too far from him. No place. He won't bring you home. It's true for you, it's true for me, it's true for the Jews, it's true for the world. Even when it doesn't feel like it, it is true. Look at verse 36. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84 I mean, 84 in that day, that is old. She never left the temple, but worshiped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. Jerusalem. When Mary and Joseph had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own town of Nazareth, and the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was on him. Anna is the most beautiful prophet, isn't she? She's old. I'm becoming more and more to like the look of old. She's faithful to the husband of her youth. She's found a way to make her life meaningful and rich and full as a widow. She's allowed herself to take off, uh, to take the the top off what it means to be a worshipper. That was her vocation. She was a worshipper. Anna worshipped. That's what she did. That's how she expressed her hope to the world and to the people of Israel. For them and for God, she worshipped and she prayed and she fasted. And so it was no coincidence that she was in the temple that day when Jesus showed up. And no meaningless detail that Luke gives her space in the story of God. When she stepped into that scene with Simeon and Jesus and recognized who was being presented at the temple, she praised God. She saw the Messiah and she worshiped. I remember the first time somebody told me that Jesus never meant to be worshiped. I've mentioned this to you before. It was, um, and in fact, that he said we ought not worship him. It was when I was serving in Athens, Georgia, and I had this professor who's, I was actually a religion major at the University of Georgia. You got to work hard to be a religion major at the University of Georgia. Um, but um, it was a professor I'd had in my, in my seminary, I'm sorry, in my undergraduate days. And so I had him come to speak to this group. And and he um, he. I remember him drawing on, I don't know, drawing it out on a whiteboard, and he explained it to us, you know, I don't even remember if he used scripture, he just explained it to us that Jesus never meant to be worshipped. I distinctly remember him saying, Jesus never asked to be worshipped, which sounds blasphemous to even say it out loud, but he didn't make it up. You can can Google that phrase and find plenty of people who say the same thing. It's a major argument of Islamic evangelists. Jesus never asked to be worshipped. Their reasoning goes something like this. I believe in Jesus, but I prefer to think of him as a person who points us to God instead of something to be worshipped. The problem with that view, aside from the fact that Paul tells us that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The problem other than that is that it just doesn't fit with how the Bible describes him. Amen. John tells us the Lord and the Lamb are the temple. And in the, first te- in, in the first century, the temple is where the presence of God was. So what do you do in a temple? You worship. You worship. Not because someone asked, but because it is our joy and our privilege. I, I will have to say to you, I hope you never come in here and, and not worship. That's, that's wow. The, 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 the presence of God is meant to be worshiped. So when people say Jesus never asked to be worshipped, my response to that is, hey, maybe, maybe in the first century, n- nobody had to be asked when they saw him. <laughs> maybe no one had to be asked. When the wise men, the magi, first saw the baby Jesus after traveling a long way to find him, nobody had to ask. When they saw him, they fell to their knees and they worshiped. The Greek word used in that scene, proskuneo, literally means to fall on your knees, put your face to the ground as an expression of profound reverence, and worship. When Anna and Simeon encountered the child Jesus in the courts of the temple, there was such a spiritual anticipation about them that they were ready when he showed up. Simeon took him in his arms and prayed, praised God. Anna saw him and praised God. No one had to be asked. The day Jesus walked on water, scared the heck out of a bunch of his people, when he stepped off the water and into that boat, nobody had to be asked. They took hold of his feet and they worshiped him, fell to his knees, face to the ground in worship. Luke 24 tells us that the resurrected Jesus was taken up into heaven at the ascension. And and in that moment, no one had to be asked. They worshiped him, fell to their knees, face on the ground in reverence. And when they went with joy back to Jerusalem, they stayed continually in the temple praising God. In all of these cases and in every other one in the New Testament, nobody had to be asked. Nobody was begging anybody to come in here and worship God. Nobody who stood in front of Jesus had to be asked to worship him unless they were just blind to the truth. They just worshiped. And Jesus received their worship as a right response. Jesus received their worship. He always receives our worship. And will receive our worship all the way to the end. Jesus is not stingy. In Revelation's picture of the end of time, Jesus is worshiped as the Lamb of God. Revelation chapter 5, verse 6. And then I saw the Lamb... Looking as if it had been slain. Standing at the center of the throne. Encircled by the four living creatures. And the elders. The lamb had seven horns. And seven eyes. Which are the seven spirits of God. The sevenfold spirit of God. Sent out into all the earth. He went and took the scroll. From the right hand of him. Who sat on the throne. And when he had taken it. The four living creatures. And the 24 elders. Fell down before the lamb. Each one had a harp. And they were holding gold. Golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. And they sang a new song saying, you are worthy. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain and with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God and they will reign on the earth. And then I looked and heard the voice of many angels And they numbered thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000. And they circled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. And in a loud voice, they were saying, Worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. And when I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them, they all said to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb, be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. The four living creatures said, amen. And then they bowed down and they worshiped. They worshiped. Power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing, and nobody had to be asked. Amen. I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and everything, all of them, all of them, all on their own, blessing and honor and glory and dominion to the one seated on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. And all of the people said, Amen. And they fell to their knees. Face to the floor in reverence. No one will have to be asked when Jesus comes again. And in his final glory, we feast at his heavenly banquet table. No one will have to be asked. When we place our gaze on the sevenfold spirit of God. And that spirit comes to rest on us. We will finally be Home. And all our longings satisfied. There's an ancient commentary on the Old Testament. It's called the Midrash. Jews consider it sacred. And there's a story in there that describes the moment between these young priests and the Spirit of God. They go up on, the, on a rooftop, these young priests, and they toss the keys of the kingdom of God up into heaven. And God's hand comes out of heaven and catches the keys. And the priests cry out: How long, O Lord? How long? They're lamenting their pain. They're frustrated by the time they have to wait for the Messiah. They're feeling the groaning, that longing that's built into every fallen human for something beyond to go home. They know it will be thousands of years. They cannot imagine Israel enduring their suffering for that long. And they hear the Lord say to them, Behold, I give them a ray of hope which will pierce the night of their exile. I will give them one whom they will never see but whose presence they will feel all the time, who will never come but will always be at the door, whom they will seek among the lepers in the gates of Rome and in the golden canopy of the supernal bird's nest, the sky, but who will be found only in their heart of hearts. I will give him him who will not be visible, but who will sustain them. I will give them the Messiah. Their Messiah is our Jesus. The one who came as a child, who suffered, bled, and died, who laid his body down that you might be whole. Whose blood was poured out for you, for the house of David, for the Gentiles, for everybody. All glory be to God. All glory be to God. All glory be to God. We starve toward that day when we will sit at your heavenly banquet table. Mm. We will taste your goodness with, with nothing to hinder it. Jesus, pour out your spirit over these gifts and make them be for us a taste of the kingdom to come. Make us hungry, Jesus. Make us hungry. Hungry to know you in your fullness. Hungry to be after everything you're after. Hungry, Lord. Hungry. This Jesus who was and is and who is to come is worthy of our worship. So children of God, worship him. Worship him. Not because you owe Jesus, but because he's the only answer that will satisfy your deep cravings. Make you full. Thanks for taking the time to listen to our message. If you live in the area and are looking for a church home, we'd love to see you. Visit us or check out our website at mosaicchurchevans.org for more information. May God bless your day.